The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right, and thanks for joining us once again. I've got a slew of top guests here with us. Um, uh, Coming up uh, 15 minutes from now, we're going to be talking to uh, Maggie Moss, who's been one of the leading owners in the country. Uh, She was the first woman ever to win the leading owner title back in 2006. Uh, she's very active in a lot of horse causes and has a really good attitude about getting into racing and staying into racing and, and, and doing it right. And then we're going to talk to my man from South Florida because the races we're going to look at are all from Gulfstream Park. They're all graded races, and that's none other than the voice of Hialeah and the quarter horse meet at Gulfstream Park, Pete Ilo, good friend of mine. So uh, Maggie and Pete will be on us, but... Uh, just got a surprise call from a friend that's been on the show before, a guy that's had just amazing success at finding the diamond in the rough. Last year, he did it with a horse by the name of Rhea Antonio, who had a sensational uh, year on the track, and then he wound up selling her for $1.8 million at the phasing Tipton Fall Sale. Which, with me, the head of Luch Racing Stables is none other than Ron Paluccio. Ron, how you doing? <laughs> Good, John. How are you? I'm, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Well, it was a couple weeks ago. I kind of got surprised. I saw those bright lime green silks uh, finishing first across the finish line in the Sunshine Millions and realized that they were your silks. Once again, you reach down and you find another horse. You found at least two that I know of right now. I may screw the name up, but... Uh, Senior Kibiano is the one that won the Sunshine Million. And then you had a close call in the Grade 2 Risen Star with a horse nominated at the Triple Crown with War Story. So uh, since, uh, since the, the Risen Star was the most recent uh, race, where did you find this horse? You're truly amazing at coming up with these horses that all of a sudden end up running big. Well, you know, John, um, I don't have the uh, budget of a Judmont Farms or, you know, guys such as that. So you got to kind of like look between the lines when you're when you're trying to play ball in the big leagues. And uh, I just happened to watch this horse run his uh, maiden at uh, Churchill. And I was actually watching a uh, a horse that Tom Amos was a first timer that I was very interested that Tom had that uh, I knew he was kind of high on. And uh, I think Klarevich owns the, the horse who has since since the maiden won five in a row. Um, and I happened to see this horse just run right by him. And, uh, you know, off that effort, I, um, I contacted my guy that buys all my horses for me. And I said, uh, we got to get this one done no matter what the cost is. So, 
That's, well, that's I, I won't ask you the cost, but it looks problem. like you're on a, you're on a good road because uh, you you turned this horse over to Tom Amos, who I'm sure I'll be talking about later in the show because he's one of the top trainers for uh, Maggie Moss, um, and he came back with two solid buyers in '86 and '86. A little bit of a controversy, though, in the last race. i got to admit, I went back and, and, and looked at the replay numerous times, and uh, it does look like James Graham got tightened up on that first turn uh, by the eventual winner, International Star. Yeah, you know, actually, that was Kent Sormo that rode, uh, that rode uh, our horse, War Story. Um, and, oh, you know, that's Kent right, was, yeah. Uh, Kent was visibly upset after the race, Um you know, I, I didn't see it live, but when I watched the replay, I, you know, I think the thing that, uh, is that he was most upset about is Miguel Mina, who was on board international star actually looked to his left before coming down and taking his pass. So it wasn't like he inadvertently did. I think he wanted to get to that spot. And I think he did, you know, the irony of the whole situation is Miguel Mina wrote two winners for me the next day at fairgrounds. So <laughs> <laughs> kind of a, kind of a funny sport, you know, and, uh, I told Miguel in the paddock when he arrived, I said, you owe me big. I said, you owe me just more than these next two. So, you know, it, uh, it, it's part of racing. You know, there wasn't anything dirty about it. He just saw the spot, and uh, he, he was just race riding, you know. And, uh, you know, if you're on the good part of it as an owner, you're happy. If you're on the bad part of it as an owner, you're like, man, I wish, you know, my guy would have beat him to that spot. But he didn't, and it's part of the game. And, uh, you know. I, I, I'm, I feel fairly confident we're going to be able to turn the tide on that horse in the Louisiana Derby. You know, we, we, we just, we need to learn a little bit and come out of the gate. You know, I took some heat from Jay Privman about possibly running in the Southwest as opposed to the risen star. And you know, you're kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't in this business. I, I, I know my horse is green. I know he needs experience and I, you know, I want to get him as easy a spot as possible. And, uh, I don't have derby fever. I, you know, if I make it to the derby, that's fine. If I don't, I don't, I just, you know, I want this horse to progress and get better. And, and I was trying to do right by the horse and it just turned out the weather just wasn't on our side. So that happens. Well, uh, now tell me about the acquisition of your Sunshine Millions winner. Uh, I, I saw you, I think, being quoted as saying, look, after I got this horse, I saw this race. It looked to me like this is going to be a soft spot for me to sneak in there and take down that top prize. Yeah, you know, um, we actually claimed the horse for this spot. Um, you know, uh, I was joking with Peter Waller. I don't know if he's ever been on your show or not before, but uh, he texts me after the race, and he's like, uh, we won a five-way shake. And I'm, I said, are you kidding me? He goes, no, you're the only one crazy enough to spend 62500 on this horse. <laughs> and uh, I said, you know, Pete, I said, uh, you know, I claimed him for, for the Sunshine Millions. I said, if we draw the rail, I don't care who's in the race. If we draw outside, then we'll take a look and see who we're running against. So we drew the rail, and I didn't even look in who was in the race. And, you know, um, the, a horse that you're very familiar with, the one the Ohio Derby was in that field and uh, won the Indiana Derby. And, uh, you know, no easy spot. He's tall. He's, he's a nice, nice, nice horse. And came back in the, in, the, uh, in the Don and didn't embarrass himself. He had a brutal trip. And uh, my, horse is, uh, my horse is doing really, really well. And, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to say we're going to be shared belief in the big cap, but I can guarantee you one thing, shared belief is going to have his hands full. Well, I know you, you didn't duck anybody with, with your fine filly, Rhea Antonia, and so for some reason this doesn't surprise me at all. Well, uh, down the road, hopefully I'm going to be able to get another call from you, Ron, uh, if War Story jumps up and gets on the derby trail and uh, your senior, Kibiano, puts in a upset over champion shared belief. I wish you nothing but the best, my friend. Well, tell, uh, tell Maggie I said hello. You know, I, when I got in the business, I designed my – 
I pattern myself after three people, Midwest Thoroughbreds, Ken Ramsey and Maggie Moss. And, uh, you know, when, when you have those kind of people that you're looking at and trying to mimic their operation and you can do it half as good as they do it, then, uh, you know, you're, you're okay in this business. So tell her I said, hello. And, uh, she's a great interview. And, uh, and we'll talk to you down the road after we win the Derby. All right. Looking forward to it, Ron. Don't forget me when you're in the winner's circle, okay? <laughs> I won't. Thanks, John. All right. See you. Ron Paolucci there started out with uh, claimers up at Thistledown. And as you can see now, he made it to the bigs. Uh, you know, he patterned himself after successful people. I guess that's the way to go. And if you want to be a successful handicapper, don't forget, come on Winning Pony's site. Had another great w- winning, winning week with the easy win forms uh out at santa anita a one dollar super five key paid over seventeen thousand of course we play all the uh the tracks uh we had a one dollar pick four at tampa bay this week that paid seventy nine hundred uh, a very good week at tampa bay also had a one dollar super that paid seventy eight hundred so get your easy win forms at Winning Ponies. We're pulling down some big prices everywhere from Tampa Bay, Los Alamitos, San Anita, Charlestown, Sam Houston. We hit it all those for big numbers this week. All right, speaking of big things, how about some of the big horses that were out last Saturday for workouts? Uh, prepping the run in the $10 million Dubai World Cup at May Dan Racecourse was California Chrome, who had a half-mile work in 48-4 and four at its home track, Los Alamitos. Uh, he comes off a runner-up finish to Shared Belief. He'll be going in the big cap uh, next week against the senior Key Biano, as we just heard. And then over at Santa Anita, uh, the two-year-old champion from two years ago, or from last year, rather, American Pharaoh, uh, stretched out to six furlongs for the first time. He's getting ready for preparation for the $750,000 Rebel Stakes at Oak Lawn Park. So hopefully we'll finally get a chance to see what he's got in the tank. As you know, he was sidelined just before the Breeders' Cup Juvenile last year with a deep foot bruise. Congratulations to Mike Luzzi. He received the Wolf Memorial Award, a great award that is uh, voted on nationwide by the other jockeys. He's 45 years old now. He's on the mend. He got kicked in the paddock at Aqueduct Racetrack, but it is expected that he will be back. Uh, Luzzi, a real class act, if you ask anybody. Of course, the Wolf Award was created to honor and memorialize the legendary jockey, George the Iceman Wolf, who's regarded as one of the best big money riders of his time. And speaking of big money riders, Florent Giraud was named Jockey's Guild Jockey of the Week. He won eight races out of 36 mounts during last week. Not too bad at all. Uh, eight wins, five seconds, and ten thirds. Uh, and uh, taking home... Uh, Eden Prairie to victory in the Bayou Stakes, Chocolate Ride in the Fairgrounds Handicap, and Ama Chatterbox in the Rachel Alexandra. That's right, took down three stakes at the Fairgrounds last week. And some sad news. Just two days ago, we found out that uh, Jerry Lambert died. As you know, he was one of California's leading jockeys back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, he died at Magali Farms in San Diego, California. Uh, best known as the regular rider, for Hall of Fame gelding native diver. Uh, a lot of people called him Clyde. He was born in Clyde, Kansas. Uh, so many people giving tributes to him, saying that he's just a great, great 
rider, a great judge of pace, uh, blessed with great hands, and he was also part of one of America's racing's all-time greatest match races, which pitted typecast and Bill Shoemaker against convenience. Lambert held on in the mile and eighth race and just got up before a crowd of 53,000. So we will, uh, we definitely uh, miss him. He was a big part of sports on the West Coast. Late breaking news, the Jockey Club bought controlling interest in Blood Horse Publications. I've got to call into my man, Tom Lamara, the news editor, to see exactly uh, how that's going to, going to affect them. Hopefully, to be more money infused. They had their staff cut in half about five years ago. So I know all the guys that are friends of mine that are working on the Blood Horse are pulling uh, double duty. Well, real quick, let's go over some of the races that we looked at last week with Matt Bernier from the Daily Racing Forum. It was the Risen Star, and as we already covered it, it was uh, International Star who was kind of tucked away. He had that number 10 post position, and uh, obviously may have taken the path of War Story. We don't know. Uh, but uh, after that, he got himself down on the rail, a beautiful rail trip by uh, Miguel Mania, and got the job done. So Louisiana Derby is going to be interesting. Finishing second was War Story. Didn't get the DQ. And the third spot was Matt Bernier's pick at 7-1, to one, and that was Keen Ice. The Rachel Alexandra is a race that often has impact on the Kentucky Oaks. And I'm a chatterbox again, Florent Giroux getting the job done. I'm a chatterbox was taken back, only had one horse beat into the first turn, rallied to win by two and a half lengths. So next up is the Fairgrounds Oaks. I'm a chatterbox was followed by lovely Maria, who was a neck ahead of forever unbridled. Uh, then, of course, uh, we went uh, down to Florida for the Besselou Stables Fountain of Youth, and it's a knockout. Five to one gets moved up. Upstart, who was the four to five odds-on favorite, was DQ'd to second, and he did. If you look at the head-on, he did just continuously move out into the into the path of it's a knockout. So uh, it's a it's a knockout gets the top spot for trainer Todd Pletcher. I'm sure we will still see a matchup in the Florida Derby down the road. Well, that's a look at last week's racing and a surprise call from Ron Paolucci. Wish him the best. And now I'm really looking forward to somebody that I've been dying to talk to for a long time, and that is Maggie Moss. We're going to take a little break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing... 
the one, two, three racing pick six. America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love one, two, three racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at one, two, three bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, with me right now, a guest that I've read about for years, I've heard wonderful things about, never had a chance to talk to her personally until uh, today. Uh, as I stated earlier in the show, in 2006, Maggie Moss achieved what no other female horse owner had ever done before, uh, becoming the winningest most owner in the United States with 211 victories. She's consistently remained among the top Four owners in the country in terms of winnings and among the top ten. Uh, I, I, I could go on and on, but I'm more interested in actually talking, talking to Maggie instead of uh, re- reading her, her resume. Uh, I know, do know this. At one point, she was a chief prosecutor in Polk County, Iowa, and uh, is a practicing attorney. Maggie Moss, welcome to Winning Ponies. How are you? Good. Thank you, John. It's an honor to be on. I appreciate it. Hey, listen, I just want to check before we go any further. As an attorney, I just want to make sure we're not on the clock, are we? <laughs> For what I charge an hour, I would say no. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it, and I'd love to talk to you tonight. <laughs> well, I've got several, several attorneys in the family. I just wanted to make sure. Some of those no. guys won't pick up the phone unless they know the clock's ticking. No, actually, it was very nice to take a break from working to, to talk to you. It's, it's just nice to have a break, just to talk to someone uh, like yourself. It's, it's an honor. Well, um, I, I, I want to find, find out about you. I've obviously done some research, uh, but what I don't know is, and what I always like to know about a fresh guest, is I, I like to know where a person's passion for the horses began. Are you kind of a national velvet story? What was your first <laughs> connection with the horses, and, and what continued you to be enamored with them? I, you know, when I was very, very young, my dad, who's deceased, was Phil, which is actually lover of horses, and he was kind of a World War II uh, pilot, but he also uh, had some horses at an old army base called the Fort Des Moines, so I started in something called Pony Club, and Pony Club, U.S. Pony Club system in this country is one of the greatest things in the world um, when I was eight or nine. And it's a program that actually teach you about the horse. It's, it's riding, but, you know, you have to take care of your horse, shoeing, everything. And from that day on, um, it changed my life. I've always been 
uh, just kind of a fanatic about animals. I mean, I've always had pets. I'm, you know, one of these people that can't see uh, the animal channel or stand to see a, a, a dead animal in the road. And I, from age 10, probably till I went to college, did nothing but ride competitively, hunters and jumpers, and actually went all over the country competing nationally. So uh, you started with, you know, a, a love of the horse, and certainly that program gives one a great understanding and appreciation for what one goes through to get to its uh, peak of physical ability. What was your entrance into thoroughbred racing? Well, I, I was lucky. Um, you know, I had uh, grew up in a way that my father made me learn all about the animals before I got to ride or compete, and I I was the one that, always had to do the work and the stalls, and I'm, I really liked that. And then I became actually a judge and became judging horse shows. And then ultimately, when I went to, I went to the University of Kentucky, and as a freshman um, at Kentucky, I, my, I had all my show horses with me, and I kind of hadn't been away from riding and discovered um, all the things you discover in college. So I told my dad to pick up the horses and... Uh, my first introduction would have been going to Keeneland, as college students do, to drink and have a good time. And I remember really well being at Keeneland and, and watching that, and it would have been the last thing I thought I would ever be involved in. And um, fast forward to uh, back when Prairie Meadows opened, I was actually um, went to Prairie Meadows one day with a girlfriend. I went to Keeneland a lot, but it, it seemed out of reach to me, John. I mean, it was very royal and glorious, and um, I never pictured owning any thoroughbreds, and I went uh, to Prairie Meadows, which was the second racino in the country, just with a girlfriend, and I just thought the horses were beautiful, and I just kind of studied the program and thought, I wonder if I could own a racehorse, and I, because I was a judge, I thought the fattest, shiniest horses belonged to a guy named Dick Clark, who used to be a premier trainer here in Iowa, and I approached him and asked him what it would cost to own a racehorse, because I was used to some pretty high prices in the hunter-jumper world, and he told me I could get a pretty good racehorse for 25000 and Fast forward, he went to Oaklawn, and he claimed a horse called APAC, um, who unbelievably, John, that's 1997, um, that horse broke the track record, won the first race, and wow. I, I just, you know, I always say, what if it had been different? You know, what if it had yeah, been Yeah, you were different? hooked from but, there. But I do have to tell you, that horse crossing the finish line and, and being out there, uh, seemed a whole lot more fun than waiting for juries to come back. I, I spent most of my <laughs> life trying jury cases and waiting for juries to come back. But but the nice ending of that story is that horse actually lives two blocks away from me and is the riding horse of a 70-year-old woman that changed her life. He's still alive and lives two blocks away from me. <laughs> well, that is fantastic. You know, I tell my friends who I try to, to, to talk to in the join in the horse business, you know, <clears throat> really doesn't matter what level, but when your horse wins a race, it's like your son hitting a three-pointer at the buzzer in the state championship. It is just such an amazing uh, feeling. And I, I've read some things about you recently that uh, as far as the, the promotion of ownership 
and perhaps through partnerships. That's mostly what I did. I uh, ran into a guy by the name of Jeff Greenhill, who I believe is ranked in number of wins, ninth in the country right now. And every horse he owns, he, he has partners on. And he continues to bring fresh people into the game, encourages them to come to the barn, encourages them to get in the wind circle picture and come to the races. Um, do, do you think that that's perhaps one of the more positive ways we need to move forward to increase perhaps the sale of horses, the production of horses, and ownership at the track? That's what I'm working on, John. I'm on the National Owner Committee for the Owner Seminar that's going to be at Gulfstream next year, and I'm on quite a few committees, and what I'm really trying to drill home and, and keep in perspective is it's not, it does not need to be the sport of kings. I think it's affordable, and, it, and may it be through partnerships or claiming. Um, that's kind of, uh, it's, it's, the racing industry is making it hard on me, but I'm trying very hard to open as many doors as I can for as many people to even begin to experience not so much winning, but just the animal and the horse and the barn. I mean, it's just exhilarating. It, it truly is exhilarating. And it's, it, it's, you don't need to be as passionate as I am to understand how amazing these animals are. Well, I've had the chance to experience that uh, firsthand, and also we did have an owner seminar uh, at Beltara Park that I, that I conducted with several people, and Gary Falter was a big help to me at that. He may be working with you. You, uh, with he, he, is, he is our chairman, yes. Yeah, he's, I've known him for years. He's been involved in the, in the Ohio Racing Program before he moved down uh, to, to Lexington. Um, but, uh, and part of it was, you know, we, we, had, we, had, uh, we had an owner, we had a trainer, we, we had a breeder, and, you know, because I wanted to hit every p- part of it. And um, you, you spoke recently about the importance of finding the right trainer. I quickly have to share this story with you because I know that Tom Amos is, is one of your favorites and as well as his former assistant, Chris Richard, uh, a friend of mine that I do some work with at her horse farm, uh, Robin Murphy. She, yeah. I, 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 Robin and I have become very good friends through emails. Yeah, Robin's amazing. Well, she was so surprised to get that letter that you sent her. She holds on to it like the Holy Grail. Oh. I mean, it's, it's, it's right there at the entrance to, to her barn, you know. Oh, and, that's a great story. I, you know, I'm kind of a firm believer, and if I think something, I say it, and if I feel something, I write it. And um, I, I don't know what happened to the good old days of just writing down your thoughts and sending it because I really believe in that. It feels good. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. I, I, I adore Robin. She's so special. Well, I've been lucky. I, I'm, I'm also an equine photographer, and I'm, right now I'm doing her stallions. And uh, the story behind title volume, a broke down, broken knee uh, tappet uh, that was just given to her, and she rehabs them for two years, uh, You know, finds Tom Amos, who she loves, and uh, yeah. Tom ended up turning the horse into a stakes winner. And you can either go to tap it for 300000 or his stakes-winning son for three. And, uh, oh, and I think Robin says she's already got 40 people beautiful. signed up. Yeah, that, 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 that brings a big smile on my face. That's, you know, those are the stories that uh, I want to get out there. Those, uh, I, I really, there's so many great stories. I'm sure we all grow tired of reading the not-so-great stories. There's just too many great stories out there, and Robin's one of them, and Tidal Volume is certainly one of them. 
Well, you just made a perfect segue into one of my final questions because I pretty much made it my life's calling to promote racing and the people who impact the sport, uh, both in the spotlight and behind the scenes. And sometimes I get frustrated when I try to get stories into the mainstream media and then never make it or you're reduced to a paragraph on page four. What ideas do you have to increase our presence on both a local and national outlet? I, I just did a, uh, I just did with the thoroughbred, oh gosh, I'm sorry, I just did an interview with the thoroughbred um, community, I, I don't have it in front of me, and it's been a long day, I, and I was asked that question, and I have that firmly in my head, and the problem, the biggest problem we have right now um, with all the regulators and all the committees and all the national leaders is Uh, We have a very distorted view of how we print the industry. And my passion right now is, you know, drugs and racing and um, picograms and nanograms and calling people out as cheaters and the public perceiving us as cheaters and not perceiving us as we are. And I also, um, as far as whatever it would cost at this point to hire, you know, a national public relations uh, somebody to take over. And don't lose had, my number. Pardon me? I said, don't lose my number. I won't. <laughs> I, I really am very disheartened by every day what I read when I know there's so many great stories. And as Older. you know, John, the papers are letting people go. As you know, the blood horse was just bought out. I mean, the written word or the written paper, great writers are being let go. And, and we've just got to do a national PR because... There's just nobody knows how hard people work. Nobody knows the hours they put in. No one knows the stories, and there's so many great ones, and we're not telling them. We're just telling the bad news, and the public is not being told the truth um, of what we really are. Um, This perception that we cheat is very disheartening to me, and um, it's just a really wrong public perception. So the betters and the public, I've gone places and... People have said to me, my God, I thought you loved horses and you own them. I mean, that's, that's, you know, I wish, I wish it was 20 years ago and I had the same energy that I could uh, do something about the perception, but I, I'm working on it every day. I really am. I, I really, it's like holding up the world, but as you know, John, it's just an amazing, amazing game. Well, you know, uh, keep up the good fight. I'm not giving up. There's nothing I like better than bringing a carload of people back on the backstretch and having somebody for the first time in their life feed a peppermint or a carrot to a horse and take a look at their face thinking, wow, this is really, really cool. That does say it all. all. It's so refreshing to talk to somebody (laughs) that that doesn't want to talk to me about... um, you know, things that, that are uh, controversial because you've got it right on the head. I mean, I'd, I'd love to meet you someday, and it's very refreshing for me to talk to you. Well, I'll keep an eye out where your horses are next entered. I know sometimes you foray into Indiana and Kentucky, so uh, Maggie Moss, I'll keep an eye out for your horses, and I might just pop up at Tom Amos's barn unexpectedly. I, I, I know what you look like, so I, I may but, just but wait a minute, down and introduce you know, myself. Everywhere I go, when I say I'm from, I'm from Iowa, they go, you mean Ohio? And I said, no, Iowa. And they mean Ohio. So we're, we're, we're kin. You know, we're kind of kin, Iowa and Ohio. 
<laughs> well, Maggie Moss, thanks so much. I, I, sorry I ran out of time. I, I, I've got your contact numbers. Uh, let me know if I, I want to have you back on the show sometime in the future because there's a lot of topics that I didn't even touch with you, and I really appreciate your time. Back to Grey's Anatomy. Thanks, John. Take care. <laughs> All right, we've been talking with Maggie Moss, uh, and again, I didn't really even get to talk into how her name is so synonymous with, with, with horse care and concern for horses and some of the, the programs that, that she has started and her efforts in finding aftercare programs and getting horses placed uh, through social media. Perhaps that'll be the uh, subject matter of my next call with Maggie Moss. But right now, I've got to get to the mellow fellow, Pete Iello. We're going to break down some races at Gulfstream Park and talk about Hialeah Park as they close out their meet. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Introducing the 123 Racing Pick 6, America's newest and most exciting wager. It's the bet that puts you in the race. Win the new $2 wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool. If you love handicapping contests, you'll love 123 Racing. Compete against America on track and online now. Pools are open at 123bet.com. This month, there are $100,000 in guaranteed payouts. Learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. License and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, a uh, close personal friend, I will say, even though he'll probably deny it in public, uh, is none other than uh, Pete Aiello, who I had the chance to, to work with for several years at what was then known as River Downs. Uh, Pete was our track announcer, and then uh, he kind of moved down to the bigs in South Florida, where he's a native of South Florida, uh, calling horses at Hialeah. Pete also did the uh, the morning line when he was up in Cincinnati, and uh, now he's also... Uh, 
going across state and doing some work over at Gulfstream Park. Uh, I tried my best to try to find some mule or donkey races that were going on this week, but I could not find any because he is an absolute master of handicapping those long-eared equine athletes. But nonetheless, with us to uh, break down Gulfstream and tell us what's happening to Hialeah is the mellow fellow Pete Ilo. How we doing, Peter? We're doing good. Mule season doesn't start until about Preakness week, so we got a little time for that. All right. Well, I'm going to be Twittering you, texting you, emailing you. I want your best bets. I never saw a guy be more successful betting a breed that I know nothing about than Pete Aiello. Well, it's kind of, you know, we, we talk about it a lot as horse players. You know, you have, you have to do, go, what, go with where you're good at and go with what you're good at. And I think that uh, a lot of times as horse players, we have to keep the blinkers on and play what we know and just continue to play what we know and not deviate into something that may or may not be enticing, but it's not something that we have an advantage in. Well, I, I know that you're very experienced at quarter horses, too, and uh, that you are a graduate, graduate of the University of Arizona Racetrack Industry Program. Um, was that your exposure to those breeds when you were out there? Because I know you like popped around the fair circuits before you got to the bigs. Yeah, it was actually the fair circuits that were my indoctrination into quarter horse racing and that everything that is associated with quarter horse racing. So when Hialeah Park opened as a as a quarter horse venue, uh, you know, I can kind of uh, I, I kind of bill myself as a as a two trick pony, as it were, where I can you know I can adapt to both thoroughbreds and the quarter horses, both from an operational standpoint because uh, there's quite a bit more than I do down here at Hialeah, and also as an announcer, which, you know, as, as you know, I'm, when Larry Comus isn't around, it's my voice you hear at Gulfstream, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but as far as I'm concerned, it's a great thing. I think it's a very good thing. As a matter of fact, uh, earlier uh, this uh, summer, I had lunch with the Hall of Famer Chris McCarron, and he said, hey, if you get a chance, Tell Pete Aiello I've been catching his race calls, and he's doing a great job. So that's not too bad when you got a Hall of Famer tuning in on you. It's one of those things we say it all the time, and it, you know, it probably sounds cliche, and the listeners out there are probably saying, ah, this guy's just feeding everybody a line. But you know, every day I go to work in this business and get to meet guys like Chris McCarron, and to think that uh, you know, for a lot of years you're on the outside looking in, you're standing on the outside fence yelling for Chris, and then not only to uh, you know to get to meet him, but to call him a friend and a colleague, and and to play in the same game that he's played in for so many years. I mean, it's really an amazing thing, and that's not cliche, and it's not uh, a line. It's it, it's a great thing to to be uh, behind the scenes when you used to watch the show for so long. I totally agree with you, and sometimes I have to slap myself in the face when I say. Gee, I know this guy, or you know, I, I got, I got, I got Kenny McPeak's cell number. You know, uh, I can pick up the phone and call Steve Coffin. It's like, what am I crazy? You know, these are guys that uh, I used to watch from afar, and, and now I consider friends. It is a great feeling, Peter. It really is. Well, you know, I, I get to, uh, you know, I get calls all the time uh, from Michael Dickinson, who's a, a friend of mine and and has been in my cheering corner for a lot of years. And actually, I got to go to Tapita and uh, stay at his house overnight. He had me out for the weekend, me and my friend John Moss. And, uh, you know, that was, it was amazing to be eating dinner at the dinner table of Michael Dickinson, and he had a huge picture of Ketaweo winning the Goldstream Park Turf Handicap. And I grinned at him, and I said, do you realize that I was sitting in box 14 that day watching <laughs> Ketaweo win? 
a great memory. Well, speaking of great memories, you're uh, closing out the Hialeah meet. Tell us about it. How'd it go? Well, it's been the best meet we've ever had from a, from a handle standpoint. Uh, we've been guaranteeing our late pick fours on Mondays at $5,000, and uh, it's been quite a bit more than that each and every day. We had somebody take down our pick six for over 36000 last week, so uh, we're really closing it out with a bang, John. We have uh, we have nine stakes races over the course of two days on Saturday and Sunday, and then we have the force out of our pick six and the guarantee in our pick four on Monday. So we're racing tomorrow, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to close it out. Sunday's the big dance, though. We have the South Florida Quarter Horse Derby uh, with two very, very uh, rising few superstars in the quarter horse business. Mooning the Eagle, who's kind of the South Florida specialist, he's run three times. He actually came close to breaking the track record on his debut run. And then a horse named Seize the Win, who goes out for the Matt Frazier barn. And Matt's actually a stalwart of the Kentucky and uh, Indiana area. As a matter of fact, he used to train thoroughbreds at River Downs when you and I were there. He's now uh, strictly a quarter horse guy, but uh, he still has his farm in Lexington. And he actually trains quarter horses at the thoroughbred center. And he was telling me the other day that what is a kind of people grin at him and uh, it doesn't bother him one bit because he knows that he's good at what he's doing. <laughs> well, that's great. That's exciting. I mean, good betting, fast horses, a, a great way to, to, to close out the meet. Well, I'm going to ask you to go, you know, over to the uh, – over to uh, Gulfstream now to look at a couple races with me. I know you're one heck of a handicapper. You used to do the morning line at River Downs. And one question I, I want to know is I was watching some races at Gulfstream last week, and I know how, like, fraternities prank each other. Did anybody from Gulfstream come over and steal a couple of your flamingos? Uh, yeah, that's funny. It's, <laughs> the Gulfstream Park uh, infield lake is salt water, so you'll notice that the two uh, Gulfstream Park flamingos are bright pink, whereas the Hialeah ones, uh, there's 300 of them, and uh, they're, they're a little bit more of, a, uh, of an off-pink color. Uh, but uh, definitely those two flamingos at Gulfstream must have got lost because they do definitely trace the lineage back to Hialeah. <laughs> All right. I was just wondering, and I'm like, am I watching Hialeah or Gulfstream? Well, anyhow, add Gulfstream. Let's take a look at one race. We'll take a break and come back and look at the last two. They're all graded, but they move the uh, – here comes the bride back early on the card to the fifth race. Field of nine expected to go to post. Uh, it, it's a mile and a 16th on the turf, and uh, I don't see uh, – any of these Phillies nominated the Triple Crown or everything, but of course the O's have somebody would jump up and run big. They could still have a chance for a late entry fee uh, to the Oaks. Uh, I've got to admit, and I'm sure you will too, that uh, Chad Brown, who's just become one of the most dominant trainers in North America, looks to have an absolute horse. You've got a key in here in consumer credit coming off. Three straight wins. Broker Maiden uh, comes back, wins a stake at Gulfstream, comes back and wins a graded stake, the sweetest chant at Gulfstream. Uh, looks like uh, she, can, uh, she can rate off uh, the speed. Uh, most of them in here stretching out a little bit to a mile and a 16th. I'm guessing you're not going to argue with me too much. I'm not going to argue with you too much. I actually called the race at Calder, which is GPW in the form, but I'm a South Florida guy, so it's always going to be Calder for me. And I actually called that race, and I can tell you one thing about consumer credit. If they switch riders, they're really making a mistake because Edgar Zayas really gets along really well with this, this filly. He gave her a picture-perfect ride that afternoon in the wait a while and then came back and gave her an equally good ride in the sweetest chant off the freshening. So, you know, she's sharp. She's the horse to beat in here. 
But, you know, Stuart, uh, what should I say, veteran handicappers know that Bill Mott horses are instinctively not ready off the layoff. So the second choice in the race, the five quality rocks, I think she has the license to improve because she did fire a big shot off the layoff, losing to consumer credit. She's had a race now. She's tighter now. But if you look at the race, it looks like those two on paper. The one horse, Divine Aida, she's a horse that I've called uh, at Calder and at Goldstream. She has some talent. I don't know if she's as good as Quality Rocks or Consumer Credit, but Ramon Morales, he's a Puerto Rican superstar in his native Puerto Rico. So if you're not familiar with Ramon Morales, it's because he's just moved his tack to South Florida as of about July last year, training exclusively for Frank Stronic Stronic Stables, but he's a powerhouse in Puerto Rico. Well, very interesting because those were the three horses that, as you know, I color code my horses, I uh, had, the, had the most marks on. And uh, uh, Quality Rocks, uh, uh, trained by a, a former Cincinnati trainer, Bill Helmbreck, obviously uh, changed hands in, into Bill Mott, who's, uh, in my opinion, one of the most respected trainers. And, yeah, I, I have to admit that the uh, Swedish chant had to serve as a nice tightener for this horse, and uh, he doesn't put them in just so he can see uh, the colors fly. So uh, Javier Castellano staying uh, aboard that horse. We'll see what happens with the extra 16th of a mile. And that's the big question with the Divine Aida, who's got the rail, who's got speed, uh, but is going to be asked to go quite a bit longer um, for the Here Comes the Bride. Interesting, though, you've got you know horses love that course there, and you've got five horses more than half the field that have already won turf races at Gulfstream Park. So that's a look at Here Comes the Bride. It's a grade three going a mile and a 16th on the turf at Gulfstream Park. We're talking with Pete Aiello. We're going to take a little bit of a break here, and when we come back, we're going to take a look at the phasing Tipton Swale and the Palm Beach from Gulfstream Park. You're listening to Winning Ponies. school to the pros we, we cover, everything. cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup travers haskell or your daily races don't worry let winningponies.com make some money for you introducing the one two three racing pick six america's newest and most exciting wager it's the bet that puts you in the race win the new two dollar wager by scoring points across six races to scoop the national pool if you love handicapping contests you'll love one two three racing compete against america on track and online now pools are open at one two three bet.com this month there are one hundred thousand dollars in guaranteed payouts learn more and wager now at 123bet.com. That's 123bet.com. Licensed and regulated in the USA. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Pete Aiello. Uh, Pete serves uh, at many tracks as a track announcer. I've also known him to be an odds maker across the country. Uh, graduated the University of Arizona uh, program that uh, it seems like half the people I interview on this show came out of there, including Bob Baffert. And uh, we're going to take a look at, at a horse that uh, race that could have an impact on the Kentucky Derby. You don't know. At this time, you've got horses that are coming back and need a tightener and then you know, want a fresh race before uh, perhaps the uh, uh, Florida Derby. And this would be the Swale Stakes, uh, the Phasic Tipton-sponsored Swale Stakes at seven furlongs. And w- without a doubt, Pete, let's face it, all eyes are going to be on Daredevil. Uh, this horse uh, had been favored in his first two races and didn't disappoint. Uh, and won the grade one champagne, which is uh, kind of the gold standard for good two-year-olds in uh, New York. Uh, disappointed big time in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Of course, Texas Red surprised a lot of horses that day, but he ended up running up the track. Obviously, whatever hitch he had in his get-along, Todd Pletcher's got rid of because this horse has been training lights out for the swell. Yeah, he draws the inside post under Castellano, which will be interesting because he'll have to use some of his natural speed to get position, certainly at seven furlongs over the Gulfstream Oval. You don't want to get buried down in there. Uh, so Daredevil's going to have to have a tactical decision early on in the race. And I know you and I were talking a little bit off air. You know, uh, how cranked is he? Let's be frank about it. How cranked is he? Is this his goal or is this goal something down the road? Absolutely. Uh, the word I have written uh, on my form is prep with a big question mark. He's already nominated the Triple Crown. There's only two horses in here nominated to the Triple Crown. And as you said, um, position in this race could be interesting. Is he going to try something uh, to maybe see can he handle getting hit with dirt in his face? Because at some point in time, let's face it, the goal is to go a mile and a quarter on the first Saturday in May. Is this a prep race? And if so, there's plenty of horses on the outside that got the speed to get it done, and uh, you were just uh, extolting the, the virtues of uh, th- this jockey, uh, Zayas, and uh, coming out of the Hutchinson, finishing second to Barbados, who sadly is sidelined, is XY Jet. It'll be interesting to see how much he got out of the grade three Hutchinson, and uh in in that same category, as far as speed and, and uh, horses that may have gotten something out of their last start, would be Super Colossal. Now, Super Colossal is nominated the Triple Crown. XY Jet isn't. Uh, you talk to so many handicappers that just say, you know, I, you know, you can't really bet Daredevil. He's going to be even money. You know, I, I would say the value could be on XY Jet or Super Colossal. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, you know, we we always try to figure out as handicappers the jockey's intentions and the jockey's natural tendencies. And at least in my opinion, Joel Rosario is not really that aggressive a rider out of there. He can be if he wants, but his preference is if he can get the horse to rate a little bit, he will. 
And Super Colossal is an interesting horse in that regard because I don't know that he's ever been have uh, had the opportunity to rate on dirt going short, uh, and that'll be something that he'll see if he can do. He sat off the speed last time, but that doesn't really count because it was five eighths over the grass. XY Jet is a horse that I've actually he's run eight times. Yours truly has been the announcer of that race. Uh, this race is six out of those eight. So I've seen this horse progress. Uh, he's a really, really good horse. He was very, very unlucky. And his debut run, he lost to 225A, who at the time was one of the best stakes horses in South Florida. Then he lost to Richard the Great, who was thought to be a future superstar for Ralph Nix. Then he lost to Hubba Shake, who right after he beat him, came back to win a stake. Then he lost to Bluegrass Singer, who came back to win the Mucho Macho Man. I mean, you're getting the point here. This horse is not afraid to tackle some pretty good horses. Uh, he ran second two starts ago in the Pasco, which is an overnight stake at Tampa. But consider this. It went eight and four for three quarters and finished up in 21 and two. Catalina Red beat him. Catalina Red was heavily favored to do it, and they both uh, broke the stakes record. Catalina Red breaking the track record. That's why I've got you on the show, Pete. You got the inside skinny. You're the South Florida man. He does come into this race with uh, the uh, top recent buyer figure uh, of, of a 92. Um, uh, I think in another horse that ran behind the highly guarded uh, Barbados, I think before he won the Hutchinson, was ready for Rye, who, who ran a, a pretty game race against him as the favorite in the spectacular bid. Yeah, he did. He was actually second uh, on debut behind Carpe Diem, so he's another one that's really not uh, backed away from anybody. He has some talent. Uh, this is his second start off a bit of a freshening for Albertroni, so can't argue with anybody who likes Ready for Rye. Um, you know, this race, like I said, you, you, you started it off by saying it's daredevil or it's, it's upset time, and you know, I think that there's some viable alternatives to this horse, and one of the things that intrigued me about this race we're talking about XY Jet having speed. We're talking about Daredevil having speed. We're talking about Super Colossal having speed. Can somebody rally from way off the speed at a big price? I, I think it's possible. I don't know that they can win it, but I would not uh, argue with anybody who wants to play some closers like Senior Grits from way out of it to get a share. Uh, you, you, make a, you make a great point. He's missing the morning line at 12 to 1. Well, uh, let's see. I've got a couple of minutes left, and I've got uh, a pretty contentious race right here, Pete. I don't know which way you're going. And it's the Palm Beach. It's a grade three. Again, a mile and a 16th on the turf. These are boys. There's four Triple Crown nominees in here. Kind of looks like a rematch coming out of the Kitten's Joy, to be honest. Yeah, you know what, uh, John? This is a race that uh, I, I can make a case for a lot of different horses in here. Um, full disclosure, I've been a fan of a horse in this race since he broke his maiden in July at Ellis Park, and uh, that's the 10-horse Cronin the Barbarian for uh, yes. Kentucky Connections of Gary Sims and the Old Memorial Stable. Uh, I, this isn't a shameless plug by any stretch of the imagination, but go back and watch the November 29th race at Calder, the Pulpit Stakes, Gulfstream Park West, and tell me if you've ever seen our horse get as perfect a trip as Leandro Gonsalves gave Cronin the Barbarian that day, and explain to me how he didn't win that race. The only reason I bring that up is he got a perfect trip. Night Prowler had the color ground that day, ended up being a third behind Cronin the Barbarian. Night Prowler came back to win the Dania Beach from way out of it under Castellano. So I think that that's a horse that's headed in the right direction. But he's 5-2 to two on the morning line, so you know who, who do you go with and what logic do you use? It's really a, a very good betting race. 
And by the way, just a, uh, a trick question for you. Do you know who Cronin the Barbarian is named after? Uh, no, I don't. Mick Cronin, the coach of the University of Cincinnati Bearcats, who used to work in the parking lot at River Downs. Wow, I didn't know that. I was actually going to say something like Kevin Cronin, the lead singer of Oreo Speedwagon or something. <laughs> no, but he's friends with Patino. He, I believe, was an assistant with him at one point in time. And uh, they named this horse after Mick Cronin, who I hope he comes back right now. He's got a, a little bit of a... Uh, he's got a growth on his brain, and they've, they've asked him not to coach because you're not supposed to get up and holler because you could, like, pop the thing. So hopefully he'll, he'll be back uh, next year. I've had his brother on the show uh, quite a few times. Uh, uh, I believe his uh, Twitter account is Fat Bald Guy. Uh, Keeneland uh, <laughs> Dan, they call him. Well, uh looks to me in here, you know, another logical horse. Now that I only got a minute left, another Chad Brown trainee coming out of the Dania Beach, uh, would-be Night Prowler, who did run down Cronin the Barbarian in that race. But uh, it's going to be a very interesting pace scenario, uh, considering that uh, Night Prowler hasn't raced since that race, and the Kittens Joy's a, a fresher race. Dubai Sky, 3-1, to one, Johnny V, and a guy we've already complimented on the show, Bill Mott. Should definitely get a favorable pace scenario. Dubai Sky's got tactical speed. That course can oftentimes play the tactical speed. There's not a whole lot of other speed in there. All right. Well, you've heard it straight from the track announcer's mouth. My friend Pete Aiello, thanks so much uh, for joining me. It's great to hear your voice again. Don't be a stranger. Stay in touch with me, will you? Absolutely. Great to be back on the program. I have very good, a lot of good memories on this program. All right. Well, that was Pete Aiello, the mellow fellow, who's going to be at the mic at Hialeah for closing weekend. Some great betting opportunities there. I also want to thank uh, Ron Paoluccio, who surprised us with a call early on. Wish him uh, the best of luck with War Story and Senior Kibiano, who's going to try to take on Shared Belief next week. We'll be covering that race. And Maggie Moss was sensational. You can be sure it won't be the last time that she's on the show. So thanks for joining. Joining us is time to clock out as I overlook the manicured turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky. I want to tell everybody, remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. <laughs>